morning everyone uh, it's just a beautiful time to see you guys here today hoping all is well with you guys and today i just want to just take this moment uh just to thank all of you guys for have been listening to this podcast for the longest and just today before i even begin um i have just started a new series now it's called um we're looking at this series and this series we're looking at the life of Gideon and how God used Gideon mightily and how God used Gideon in a way that is 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 sometimes even baffling to see how God can use a man who doesn't even think of himself usable and how God uses him and we're going to see more of this later on in the series but I just want to focus out on that but before we get into it we want to start this off with prayer we want to start this off with prayer and i believe that prayer does um start us off so before i even get to that i want to start reading from psalms chapter 51. and so psalm 51 says open my lips O lord and my mouth shall proclaim your praise creating me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me casting not away from your presence Take now your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help, your salvation, and sustaining me a bountiful spirit. Lord, we just praise your word. Glory to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, so never shall be world without end. Amen. Let us pray, and let's go to the throne of grace this morning to ask God for assistance in his word. Heavenly Father, we just want to come here, Lord, and just thank you, Lord. Your word is powerful. Your word is unshakable. Your word is sustainable. Your word has given us life. Your word has given us health. Your word has given us blessings. And we want to come to you, Lord God, today to ask of you that the words in which I speak to you today may be fruitful and may multiply in the ears of those who will listen. And may this word sink down in their spirit, that it may not just be me who speaks, but you who speaks through me. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. So right now we're going to look now um, at Judges. If you have your Bibles, go to Judges chapter 6, um, verse 11. This is where it begins. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. We'll start from verse 11. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat at the timbrance at Ophrah, which belongs to Joaz the Asbirite. And while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Bidians, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wondrous deeds in which our fathers were recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign 
that it is you who speaks to within who speaks with me and please do not depart from here until i come to you and bring you my presence and set it before you and he said i will stay till you return so Gideon went out to his house and prepared a young goat and unlevished cake from the ephod of flour and the meat he's put in a basket and broth he put it on a pot and brought it to him under the timbreth and presented to him and the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cake and put them on the on this rock and pour the roof over them. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord reached out to tip up the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cake and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cake. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. And Gideon perceived that he had seen the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. I want to pause it right there. There is so much in this verse. So much in this verse I can even go into. But we want to break this verse down. I want to break this verse down so that it will be more easy for us to understand. So we begin here, the call of Gideon. Right. Israel at this time were being oppressed by Midian. And the Midianites were oppressing them. They were taking over their crops and their fields. And Gideon here is, in this verse, he's, you know, he's working in the fields, right? It says here in verse 11, it says, that Gideon was beating out wheat and the wine press of the Midianites. And why is he doing this? Because the Midianites in the previous verse before he created in your own time, they will steal from them and they will take off all that they had in their lands, the crops in those fields. So Midian is trying to hide it from them. Right? And then all of a sudden, as he's doing this, the angel of the Lord is coming. And he's under this tabernacle. Now I'm going to see, I'm going to research right now what is this tabernacle? It's probably like a tenth. Actually, it's not even a tent. It's a tree. It's a type of tree. It's a terebinthine tree. It's, it's, it's actually a delicious tree species of the genus Palacia, the native to a Mediterranean region from the western region of Morocco and Portugal and Greece and western and southeastern Turkey and Custardinia. So this is like a Mediterranean tree. So, so this angel is under this terebinth tree. This tree that seems to overshadow the, the the ground in which he is in, right? And it also has fruits on this tree. So it's under his tree. And Gideon is beating. At the same time, he's beating out the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It is interesting here in this verse. Verse 12, that the Lord calls him a mighty man of valor. A very interesting thing to say to him. Now, we do not know up to this point who Gideon is. We do not know his nature. We do not know what he, his affiliation. We know that he's from the tribe of Manasseh. His tribe group, we see it here. But we do not know his upbringings. 
and how he was raised up. But we know here that the angel calls him a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. God is saying that he is going to be a mighty man of valor. And as our Gideon responds with that, he says, Please, sir, if you, if the Lord is with us, when, why did all this thing happen to us? We always wonder, indeed, we said, I find spoken to us. So now Gideon here is bringing up, okay, you know, he, he, he doesn't really understand this language. And then it's inter very interesting here because cross-reference this to what happened um, in the time of Christ. Where, where where the angel Gabriel comes in and he says to Gabriel, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. He calls Mary, you are highly favored. And here, the different, it, they, they're, now they're different. We get that. But notice how the angel, the angel here is, is proclaiming to them that they're blessed, that they're highly favored. And here to Gideon, a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. And I love it how when, I just want to go back to verse 12 and just go with that verse. Notice how he, notice how the angel, the first word that the angel said to him, the Lord is with you. Now obviously Gideon knows that God is with him. But why was it an essential part in the task of that angel to bring that awareness to Gideon that the Lord was with him? Why was it so essential? Why was it so vital that the angel brought that to the ears of Gideon? Why was it so essential? Sometimes when we read the Bible, we could just go past it. We just read, oh, the angel, um, God said this to Gideon, and we just move past it. But let's look at this. Let's observe this. Because there is some truth hidden within the word of God that sometimes we miss out. What, why would the angel said, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor? Something about this verse, something about what the angel says has so much great importance and how it will affect the life of Gideon onward. So what does he mean by the Lord is with you, almighty man? of I'm going to tell you why. If we read verse 13, I explain to you why. Because you see the response of what Gideon says he says, oh, if the Lord is with us, why then, why is this all happening to us? The first, the reason why Gideon, why, first, the reason why the angel of the Lord said this to Gideon is because he doubted that the presence of God was still with his, not only with him, but his own people. That even though God brought this as a judgment on the people of Israel because they have not followed God's law, they have not followed the precepts of his commandments. Gideon is now doubting. Number one, 
that even though God is judging his people, oh, Gideon saying, where is all of this miracles, this blessings of God? Where is it? If the Lord is with us, then why are we not? Gideon is basically saying this. If the Lord is with us, why are we not prospering? Why are we not living blessed? Why are we not living as fruitful as he's told us that we will live? We're going to go back. Go to um, Judges chapter 1. Go back five chapters before this one. Not Actually, not Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 2, my, soul, my fault. And read from Judges chapter 2 to 11. From 11 to 13. Judges chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. This is what it says. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Baals. So right here, we see that idolatry is the proof of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. It's so, it's so, it's so hard to understand that with all that God has done for Israel, with all that God has done for the people of Israel, parting the seas, giving them manna, giving them quail, giving them water from the rock twice, winning wars against the neighboring countries around them, winning wars against the Amorites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, and the Perizzites, and the Hittites, that they still have it in their heart. They still have it in their mind that they don't need God anymore. They don't need God. That because now they're living in the land of promise, that they now have everything at their disposal. They could just simply live their life how they please. And be unfaithful to the God who has always been faithful to them. As we read here, it is similar to what we see in our world today. It is similar to how we see in our world today. The unfaithfulness of the people. Just going back to the, just going back to the, the unfaithfulness. They're being unfaithful to God. Unfaithfulness to God. We're going to read onward and said that they, yes, they've done evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals and they, what? Verse 12, they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They abandoned God. They abandoned God. With everything good that the Lord has ever done, what will make us to abandon Him? That's my question to you today. What areas in your life have you been unfaithful to God? What areas in your life have you been abandoning God from? What problems, what situations? That you thought that God could not handle? Or what problems or what dilemmas did you think 
was much of a burden to God that you could not give it to him and surrender it to him and allow him to do only what he can do. You see here, the people of Israel, this verse here, chapter 2, with all the conquests of Joshua, the book of Joshua, with all what God had made on Mount Sinai, it was like a slap in the face to God. Because at this point, they say, you know what? We don't need God no more. We don't need God no more. And verse 12, onward, they went after other gods from among the people whom they were around them. And bow themselves to them. They went up to other gods. Amongst the people in which God decreed that they should not go. Bow down to their gods. They went after the other gods among people that they, who were around them. And they bowed themselves to them. And they provoke the Lord woo, to anger. There is nothing so bad. There is nothing so dangerous than to provoke the Lord to anger. Hmm. This has now reached a serious point. They have not only did evil, they have not only sinned tremendously, they were not only idol worshippers, not only have they abandoned the Lord and were still idol worshippers and they were still sinners, but they provoked the Lord to anger. Hmm. Hmm. They provoked the Lord to anger. Hmm. 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 How tremendous of wickedness, of evil has Israel now done where they are now provoking God to even be angry with them. And if you think that this is even worse, <laughs> this is not even worse. The worst part is what the idols, the idols that they're worshiping is even far more worse. Than this. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Now, if you guys remember, if you watch in the series, there was a series I did before on Israel's needs of repentance. There's a series I've done. There's a series I did there. I went as far as to go into the specifics of these idols. These idols that Israel was worshiping. Long since before, and I, and I explained it in that video there, and I also explained it again. The idols in which Israel were worshipping were idols of um, fertility. These sins, and if that being said, and I'm actually going to explain this here again, for, probably for those who haven't really watched the other videos, the one that has Denise or Repentance, you can watch that series. I explained a lot there. 
But again, after all the Lord done for Israel, Israel still has the guts to turn their backs 180 degrees and say, you know what, we don't want God no more. Israel is basically saying this, because we have the land, because we have everything that we have, we were meant to have, because we have a house, because we have a field, because we have the green valleys, the still waters, we have everything. It's like paradise for us. We don't need God anymore. Because we have everything at our disposal. We can learn the, 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 the wisdom of other cultures. And bring in the gods in which they have. So that we may learn about their religion and their lifestyle. And that we can also be partakers of their way of worship. And in so doing, they became idolaters. To the point where they provoked the Lord to anger. Have we not done this same behavior? Have we not inhibited this same behavior? Where we have houses, we have cars, we have the best car, we have a house, we have a job, we have everything. We live in a nice neighborhood, we, we go to the, we go, we work. Has that now been in a higher place than our commitment, than our worship to God Almighty? Is your job more, has more value than God, the worship of God? Now, I'm not here to say this in the sense that, oh, you should not go to work. I'm not here to say that, but I'm here to say this. Just like how the people of Israel have done. Has your possessions, has your materialistic goods made you far more away from God than bringing you closer to God? Because in a sense, if you are blessed entirely, that should even make you even be more closer to God. Not to receive more from Him, but to make you more closer to God in the sense that you can obtain more blessings from Him, not in this, not more physically, but more spiritually. Because if you look back to Joseph, how God blessed Joseph, the blessing of God did not really much extend to extend only to him. But the Bible said it extended to the house of Potiphar. The house of Potiphar experienced not only the blessing of God, did not only experience to Joseph, but experienced to the house of Potiphar. They experienced the prosperity and the blessing of God. So the blessing of God may not only be extended to you, but extending to the surroundings. Yes. But will that make you more closer to God? Because looking at Joseph's scenario, Joseph was a faithful man to God. Even though God blessed the house of the Bible says that the Lord blessed the house of Potiphar for Joseph's sake. 
even though Joseph was blessed, did he really forget God? No. And he proves that to you. In Genesis chapter 39, if I'm not mistaken, where Potiphar's wife comes into the scene and he tempts Joseph to be in bed with him, to be in bed with her. And in that same scenario, you hear Joseph's words. Let's go there. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. You hear the faithfulness. You can see through the lips of Joseph the faithfulness he has towards God. Genesis chapter 39. And let's, let's start from verse 8. Verse 8 says, He refused and said to his master, So I behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in this house. And he has put everything under, he put everything that he has in my charge. And he is not greater in this, this house than I am. Nor has he kept anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. I want you to pause right here. Notice that he refers to part, refers to part of his wife. Notice the respect that he has. Not only in this verse, you will see that he has not only respect to Potiphar, but only but his to his wife as well. Verse nine says here, he's not greater. He's not anything from me except to you, because you are his wife. How then? Notice here, three three people he gives respect to. The third person is here. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Hmm. From verse 8 to verse 9. Look at the people in whom he has given respect to. But look at the person. Look at the person who he gives the most respect to. And then at the end of verse 9, he gives respect to, jo um, to Potiphar. He said, everything in the house, he has given it under my care. He's given everything in, under my care. And he has not withhold anything against, withhold anything against me, but except you, his wife. See how he calls him his wife? He respects her too. And then he says this, How? Can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph is saying here, Though I'm under the care of Potiphar, and though you are his wife, why then should I sin against God? Joseph is Joseph reflects Joseph you see this verse here he reflects all that Potiphar has given to him. The, he is under he is in charge of the house of Potiphar. But he still has course. He remembers God. He remembers God in all the blessings and the possessions and the blessing which is extended to his house. He still remembers God. 
Can we say that to Israel here in Judges? In this second chapter of Judges, can we say that to you about Israel? We can't. Because Israel hadn't had that same nature as Joseph. Joseph here, even though he was blessed, even though he had everything under his care, he would not allow sin to be engulfed in his life. We're not saying that Joseph was not a sinner. But in this scenario here, he did not allow sin to engulf and be rooted in him. But Israel here, they have experienced the same thing. They have experienced the blessings of God in their new land, the land of promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have experienced a new land. But instead for them to be faithful to God, instead for them to continue in being worshippers of God, instead for them to do good, to do justice, you know what Israel says? No. Mm -mm. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to do what we please is us. We're going to do what things that makes us happy. The things that will benefit us. We are in a land now with green grasses and we have all the, 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 the hills of Lebanon. We have everything at our disposal. We're going to use this land for our benefit and not use it for the glory of God. And so now that they are in their land now, Joshua's dead. They did what they saw fit in their eyes. And let me tell you something. What is fit in their eyes of man may not be just in the eyes of God. And let me tell you something. What might be fit in the eyes of man may not be just in the eyes of God. What might be fitting for people to do that they might consider good, God may not consider it as good. And we have to recognize that in his word. We have to recognize that in his word. They have abandoned the Lord. And what you will read in the Bible, if you, you know, if you had this Bible in a year plan, you will read what happens. You will see all throughout the Bible what happens when Israel says, when Israel not only says, not, not speak utterly, but when Israel abandons God, when you abandon God, your life will always fall to complete corruption and destruction. When you say that you abandon God, the fact that you have life is from God. The fact that you have breath is from God. The fact that you have oxygen is from God. The fact that you have a house is from God. The fact that you have work, you have a job, you have occupation is from God. The fact that you have loved ones in your life still, still praying for you is from God. The fact that you have, you still have course to enjoy the gift of life, the story, enjoy going to places, being on vacation is from God. To experience the blessings of God is automatically from God. 
But to say you abandoned the blesser. You see, one thing I notice through the Bible, in this verse, the people of Israel cherish the blessings. But what, he, but what they have done to the blesser, they have abandoned him. Can we say that about ourselves? Have we been so long cherishing the blessing that we are not cherished and give more worship and praise to the blesser himself? Have we allowed the blessings to be more to be more um to be more in our concern, to be more benefiting to us that we forget the one who gave us the blessing in the first place? We see that here in this word. Verse 13 onwards, they served Baals and Ashrods. Verse 14. This is where the heat comes in. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to the plunders who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them that they were in terrible distress. Wow. I'm going to read this as slow as possible so that you can grasp the judgment and how this applies in the scenario of Gideon when the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Let's read verse 14 again. 14, 14 and 15. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to the plunders. Plunders. I like that word. Plunders. That will also be mentioned when we talk about in Gideon's scenario. When he talks about this in Gideon's scenario. The scenario of Gideon's um, Gideon scenario. Who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their surrounding enemies. So that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Woo! I have to pause right there. No, 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 not just he gave them to plunders, but he allowed their neighboring countries to have a footstool over them so that they will not be able to withstand them. People will say this often. Why does a loving God allow evil to happen in the world? If, you, if you've been listening to what I've been saying as of now, you will notice that the Lord did not do anything evil up to this point. God has given them everything at their disposal, but in return of what, in return of the blessings and the possession of which they have, they turned their back. They turned their back from God. 
and they went and they worshipped other gods except the one true God. They were idol worshippers. They had sinned against the Lord. And they provoked the Lord's anger. And what did the Lord do? His anger was kindled against them. He allowed plunderers to come. He allowed neighboring countries to war against them. So that they could not withstand against their enemies. And verse 15. Whenever the lay marched out of the hands of the Lord was against them for harm. As the Lord warned them. I want you to understand this right here. They marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. It wasn't for their good. It was for their harm. As the Lord warned them. No, sorry, as the Lord had warned. And as the Lord has sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. And then verse, and go verse 16 and onward, it talks about how the Lord raised up judges for them. So now we can go, now that we have a whole unique background to what Gideon was saying in this verse, which I know it took a long time to, to bring that out, you know. You now have an understanding of why Gideon is saying this. You read here in verse 13, it says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why did all this happen to us? Gideon here doubts God. Why? Why do I say this? Is because not only did he, not, I don't think he even doubts God, but he's discouraged. If God, he actually doubted too. He doubted. Yes, he doubted, because number one, he doubted that God was with them. Because how is it's like it's like how can God be with you? How can you how can you say that God is with you when the Midianites are doing this and when all the neighboring countries are oppressing you and you have no uh, a stance against them? You have plunders in your land. How can the Lord be with you in all this? But God says, Gideon, I'm with thee. O mighty man of valor. And he goes on, he said, but the Lord says, it says, go in this might of yours. Um, verse 14 says, the Lord turned to him and says, go in this might of yours and saved Israel. Saved Israel. Saved Israel. Saved Israel. <laughs> it's, it's interesting in this verse that God hears what Gideon is saying <laughs> God hears what he's saying God's like you know what I made you mighty go in this might that you have and save Israel God <laughs> it's interesting how God can have faith in us it's interesting I'm going to say it like this it's interesting how God has faith in us. But we can't even have faith in ourselves. Woo! <laughs> it's interesting how God has so much faith in us. But we have little faith in ourselves. Comparison to the faith that God has in us. How much faithfulness do we have towards God? Woo! -hoo! 
Let me say that again. If God has so much faith in us, look at look at look at him. He says to him in verse 12, he says, The Lord is with you, Almighty Man of God. Look what he says in here in 14. Go in this might of yours. Because you are this mighty man of violence, which I have now going to use, go in this might of yours and save Israel. Let me, let me see what that is. Save Israel from the hands of the Midians. Do not I send you? Meaning as God said, did I not send you? Am I not sending you? God's like, I see your concerns. I can see what's happening. God's like, I'm behind all of this. I'm behind all of this. And that's what I'm sending you. You are going to be my instrument against the Midianites. You are going to be my hand against what is going on around you. I'm going to use you mightily. Can God say that about us? I believe he can. God sees this man is in concern for his people. And what a good attitude, what a good nature for a person to be concerned for what is going on around him. God sees that and God loves that. God loves that he is concerned. Probably the people who are in, 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 in this time, they're not concerned they're just living life as they're pleased. But God loves that he sees that he is concerned. He's concerned for the right reasons. He's concerned for the just reasons. He's saying, why, why is this happening to us? He's concerned. He's having trouble in believing God can save. God can even, verse of all, use him. He's saying, look at what happened in the past. How the Lord has delivered us from the hands of, of the Egyptians. And we are here. Is not this faithful God that we serve still being faithful to us? How could a faithful God allow this to happen? He's basically saying that. But God says, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. Go in this might of yours and save Israel. Go in this might. Go in this might and save Israel from the hands of the Midians. Then I send you. <laughs> and then you and then and then as I said before, you remember I said before that Gideon doubted doubted God. You will see that here. In verse 15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I want you to understand, highlight that word. He said that my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Before I even get to the response that the Lord gave to him, I want you to understand that look at how he thinks about himself. He says, God, why are you choosing me? I am the weakest in Manasseh. My clan is literally small in number. Who am I? 
out of all the tribes. You could have chosen a man from the tribe of Judah, a man from the tribe of Reuben, a tribe from the tribe of Ash, of Natalie, a tribe from Benjamin. But in all of that, you chose this small tribe, this small, this small clan of mine, the clan of Manasseh. You chose me. And he says, I am the least in my father's house. You want to use me? You want to use this little old me? Verse 16, the Lord said to him, but I am with you. Whoo! God is confirming what he says. Notice how he said it twice. He said, I am with you. The beginning of his entry. And now he says it again. He says, I am still with you, Gideon. It does not matter. God saying, it does not matter. God saying to Gideon, it does not matter. I am still with you. It doesn't matter that you're the weakest. It doesn't matter that you're not the strongest. It doesn't matter what clan, what tribe you're in. God saying, I am still with you. I'm with you, Gideon. I'm with you. You may not be the brightest. You may not be the talented. But that is still not an advantage that I cannot still not use you. I can still use you. I can still use you. And he says, and God says, I'll be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Hmm. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. Because I'm with you, your, your, the defeat that you will have against the media, your, your, the way that you will defeat the Midianites, it will be as if it was only by you. And I just want to pause here. And then in the following verse, he just goes on and he asks God, he says, Lord, Lord, um, if this is really you, is this really you speaking to me? Gideon's like, if this is really speaking, I want, you, I want you to show yourself to me. I want you to show yourself to me. I'm going to give you this food now. I'm going to, I'm going to prove it to you. If I find you very honest, I want you to show me a sign that this is you that's speaking to me. Because Gideon now say, I, I, I don't know now because it's, I'm I'm little. You want me to go and defeat a, 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 an army of Gideonites, a Midianites, who me, little me here, and my little tribe here. How the, the army of the Midianites? You said I'm going to defeat them as one man. How can I do this great work that you want me to do? He said, "If I'm facing your eyes, show me a sign." That is you who speaks to me. Do not depart here until I bring you the gifts, the offerings. And so in the following verse he does. In verse 19 it says, He went and brought the cake, the unleavened cake, the meat. And the angel of the Lord, when he saw that the meat, he brought the meat. He laid his staff over to it. And the, off and the gift that he brought to him was consumed by fire. It was consumed by fire. 
verse uh, 21 it says this so and then the angel of the lord reached out the tip of the staff that it was in his hand and touched the meat and the eleven cake and the fire sprang up from the rock so the meat offering so the offering that which he gave was from the rock and consumed the meat and the eleven cake as i said and the angel of the lord vanished from his sight now i want you to understand this verse 21 <laughs> Verse 21 to verse 24. No, verse 22. Uh, yeah, yeah, continuing. 24. And Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. And the angel said, At last, O Lord, I have now seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Now, why is this so important? This angel of the Lord. I want to, I want to point out to you why it's so important. In the Bible, there's there, there's a, there's accounts of angels, 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 but when you look at the title, specifically looking at the title concerning this angel of the Lord, it kind of brings something different. There's, when you read a verse of scripture that concerns the angel of the Lord, I want you to look very detailedly. That's not even a word. <laughs> Very look in the detail, looking in the depths of this angel. Look into the depths of this angel. There's so many, there's a personality with this angel, and this angel also appears again. He appears again in Samson, the story of the birth of Samson. This angel appears again, but here we hear, we see him again. So when this angel does as a, as as a way of um, receiving the, the the gift that he gave him, he puts his staff towards the the meats and the unleavened cake and the food that was brought to him. His staff touches it, and it lifts up in flames, as as if it was an offering to the Lord. And then what happened after that? The the angel of the Lord vanished. I want you to understand that he said, you see, we've seen the angel of the Lord. And again, he said, alas, old my Lord, for I have now seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Why? Now, say this, this, the question is this. Why is Gideon saying this? You know, he's saying this in a way that's if, that this is something out of the ordinary. Like, it's, it's normal for people to see angels. I mean, God, an encounter of God's presence. But why did angel, why did um Gideon say, he sought him face to face. I mean, literally, I mean, he did see him face to face, but he, you know, he thought of him as a regular human being. But why did he emphasize that then? You see onward. But the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Hmm. Why did God say that? And why did Gideon say that? He emphasized face to face, and God said to him, Be at peace, the Lord is with you. No, be at peace, do not fear, you shall not die. Why did God say, You shall not die? What was so unique about this angel that God literally told him, Be at peace, you are not going to die? If you read, in the birth of Samson, when Manoah, Manoah's wife saw, uh, no, Manoah himself, the husband of uh, Samson's um, birth mother, when he 
knew with his eyes, because he was in doubt at first, when he saw that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he spoke with him and he was trying to be curious about who this angel was. And he asked himself, what is his name? And he said that his name, he says, what is, what is it to you to know my name? Because my name is wonderful. My name is wondrous. And the angel departs from him. And, 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 and in that verse, it talks about how they perceived that they had seen an angel of God as, as if that he, they were literally seeing God. Now that's actually a whole another story by itself, but to me, I believe that the angel of the Lord, and that's a whole that's a whole in-depth study by itself. I believe that the angel of the Lord is the Lord Himself, but not just the Lord Himself. I believe that the angel of the Lord is Jesus. You must say, why? Why? How? How is Jesus? How is Jesus the angel of the Lord? Well, that will take us a whole another study by itself, because we're still in Gideon. But notice how um, it says here, "Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die." God is saying this to him. There's two people here now: the Lord and Gideon. The angel of the Lord has now went up to heaven. And Gideon is now speaking to God. Both of them are, are included to be God. What you just saw right there, if I could go to um the to, to the Samson, which will take a whole study by itself, I will prove it to you that the angel of the Lord is literally Jesus. The second part of the Trinity is literally seen. And the thing about it is that if you really read the Bible in a year, you would see not just only glimpse of people's life matching up similarly to Christ, Christ, like people's lives similarly matching up to who Christ would be when he physically comes to earth. Notice that this encounter with the angel of the Lord is very quick. It's very, it's very, it's very, it's very, um, instantaneously, that when people begin to ask, and you notice how people ask, and the thing about this is that when people, when they see who this angel is, they will always inquire. They will always inquire who he is. They will always inquire who he is. Because there's something different about this angel that's different from all the other angels. Because here, here, this angel here, this angel is about to go, but he said, Lord, Lord, let me let me give you something. Let me give you a present. Let me give you a gift offering to prove that you are who you are. And he proved it. And he emphasized that he said, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, obviously, angels in the Bible will make people to, 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 to be afraid, will make people to be fearful. But this angel, God replied to him and says, do not fear. You shall not die. This angel's presence alone 
Woo! This angel's presence alone was different from any other angel. His presence alone was very... He didn't even know. And the funny thing about this, he didn't even know. He didn't know that this was literally God. The second part of the Trinity speaking with him. And I'm going to... And, and you will see this. And you will see... You wonder why in the Bible, when you go to John chapter... John, the book of John... When Jesus was speaking to the multitude that didn't believe him, you wonder why Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. You wonder why the people were marveling when Jesus was saying that he, 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 um, matter of fact, let us, let us go there. This will actually make more sense. Will make much more sense. Will make much more sense. If we go there, we see if possible. I do not just want to say it on my own mouth. This is in, in, in John chapter 8. And it says here. Um, I'm just trying to find the word. Yeah. Let me read. Let me read from verse 50, 56. John chapter 8, verse 56. And I'm going to close. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my days. And he saw it and was glad. I want to pause right there. That, that is a whole... That's, I'm, I'm trying not to go off topic here. He joined and was glad. He saw it. And the Jews said, You are not, you are 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. And he said, Truly, I said you before Abraham was, I am. Notice how the crowd responds. He said that, Look what Jesus says here. Look what Jesus says. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my days, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews says, you are not even 50 years old and you have seen. <laughs> you have not seen Abraham. Little did they know. That he has seen Abraham. And Abraham has seen him. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> for another time. But I want to close with this. With this call of Gideon. Before I close. Gideon has, has an experience with God. Not just experience, an encounter with God. But God has given him a mission. When God gives you a task and a mission, don't belittle yourself. God, I see it now in our culture today. I've seen it with my own eyes. That God is using people with messed up lives. People that I would never even think of to be Christians. God is using them in mighty ways. For instance, I was looking at a person. Um, his name was John Cabana. His name, his former name was Bugang. This man, he, if you see his life before, you would not even expect him. Many of his followers, previous, previous, before 2020, 
never would think in their mind that Bugan would, um, John Cabana, his full name, would become a, 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 a child of God, a servant of the Lord, and a man of God to this day. And if you see this man, go on YouTube right now, type John Gabbana. Look at his look at the video that he puts out there his channel. And he and he's now doing a documentary series. And he's now doing a documentary series on his own life now. This proves to you and many more people, celebrities, are now giving their lives to Christ. Besides their messed up path, their messed up lifestyle. God is still using the people who are messed up because only God can change a messed up man to a man of perfection. And even though he is not even fully perfected, God wants him to strive in perfection. And in that same manner, we can apply that to ourselves today. That though we are not perfect, as the scripture says, we can strive in perfection. That we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That we can live our life wholeheartedly and truthfully in accordance with the gospel and the word of God. And my friend, if you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, this is the time right now. This is the time right now to do so. Because there may never be an opportunity to do it again. God's word is available to you right now free of charge. The gift of God was bought with expense. Worth more than a million dollar car. God purchased this gift free for you. You did not have to pay for it. The debt, the debt was being paid for you. You do not have to pay one cent. And all God requires is to you is to do, is to, is, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might be saved. Accept him into your life. It's as simple as ABC. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Believe in his name and trusting in him in your heart. And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that you might be reconciled into the heart, into the heart, into the fold of God's family. And be one with Jesus Christ. And to learn to grow and mature and to be a godly man or a godly woman through the power of and the presence of the Holy Spirit being within you to prove that you are a child of God and a man of God and a woman of God and continuously be in the sheepfold of God. The message here is plain and simple. I can say it with many words. Don't abandon God. Because the blessings are there in front of you, do not abandon him. Continue to pursue God with all that you have. Even if, even if you have little, pursue him. Pursue him. Not only that, do not doubt what God can do in your life. God can use you in a mighty way you never see yourself. 
You might be working for McDonald's right now. You might not think that you have value in the eyes of God. I'm here to tell you today, you have value in the eyes of God. You have value in the eyes of God. You might be out in the street looking for a job, looking for a place where you could work. I have been there myself and I can testify by God and by the grace of God that God can use God can, God has put everything under his feet for you. Do not lose hope in God. Do not lose faith in God. Because he will do what his word says he will do. And because you might be small in nature or little in nature, or you may not be bright or intelligent, you may not even be a pastor yourself, but that does not even guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt that God cannot use you. Look what he said to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, O mighty woman of valor. The Lord is with you. Do not fear. Do not fear. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is the word from God to you. Through Judges chapter 6, verse 11. I haven't even gone even further. Actually, I have. And I'm going to read the last verse from 24 that I've ended when I started this whole series. It says here in verse Judges chapter 6, verse 24. Then the Lord, i oh, sorry, the Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace is peace and to this day it still stands an offer which belongs to the asbrites the lord is peace if that is not a message for you i do not know what is the lord is peace jehovah shalom the lord is peace you could dwell in peace today when you find yourself walking under the will of God, you can find peace today. Let me close out with prayer. Glory to God. I pray that this message will fill and bless each and every one of you who hears under the sound of my voice. Let's pray to the Lord of glory. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us peace. You are Jehovah Shalom. Glory to God. You can give us peace. You can give us sound mind. We pray that you will remove anything hindering us from accepting this peace and accepting who you truly are in our life. We pray that you would not allow that to overshadow the wholeness of your life, the wholeness of your identity in our life. Your truth, your power, and your great love can make us realize that we are nothing without you. We are nothing. We are helpless. If we choose to abandon you, we have abandoned who we are. Our own nature, we have abandoned it. Who are we to abandon the Lord when he has never abandoned us? Lord, forgive us of ever in our life we choose to abandon you. Lord, forgive us of ever we choosing to think that we don't need you anymore, that we, we have everything figured out in our own life. 
Forgive us, Lord. Because without you, we are nothing. We are nothing. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see. Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. So that we will not be feeble-minded, that we will not be closed in heart, not to understand, not to be wise in our choices and our thinking, but to continuously look forward to you. Look forward to who you are. Look forward to the many good things that you have in our lives and to continue to remind ourselves of the blessing and to continue to glorify you and to praise you in all things. So whatever we speak and say we do, wherever we speak, and whatever we say and whatever we do, it would always bring honor. It would always bring glory to your holy name. So we thank you, Lord God. And we praise you, Almighty Father, from whom all blessings flow. We praise you with all creatures here below. We praise you, O Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Thank you, Lord, that this word is going to ring in the ear to those who hear, that they might hear and rejoice that you are still with them no matter where they are, no matter where they're going. For it is in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the God of peace and love and comfort rest and be with you today. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome week. And have an awesome year. Continue to spread the name of Jesus and let his name renowned in all the earth. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm.